I'd like to call on Pastor Wayne, and uh, he's going to deliver our message this morning. So if you'd like to come up, we'll have a prayer and looking forward to this. Pastor Wilkin was our pastor, I don't know, 30 years ago, at least. So <laughs> it doesn't at seem least. that, at <laughs> least. <laughs> but um, he, he challenged a lot of us, our faith, and what it meant to be a real Christian. And um, I still remember one of the first times... Um, I always have a problem with the microphone when I'm here. <laughs> Pastor Wilkins said, um, if, would you stand up for Jesus? And that was kind of something really new in our congregation. And we all like we had lead in our pants, we couldn't stand up. And that, that challenged a lot of us. And from then on, the things happened. And our faith was challenged, and we started to grow. And it was because of Wayne. <laughs> And uh, I'd like to pray for him right now and as he's going to deliver the message. And uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for our servant Wayne as he's coming to deliver a message. And we ask, Father, now that as we sit in the presence of a holy God, that you would open our hearts and open our ears to this message. And we pray a special anointing upon Wayne as he shares this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> I'll just have a word of prayer too. And Father God, I just come in agreement with Paul and I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would just move mightily among us. Open all our hearts, our ears, Lord, to have ears to hear. You said, he who has ears, let him hear. Lord, may we hear. And Lord, again, I pray that I might die to self and that you might have your way with me. So we pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit upon the congregation and upon myself, for we want to hear of you and not Wayne Wilkin. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk on a little bit on 2 Peter, what the Lord leads me. 2 Peter was written to a mature congregation. And uh, notice as I read this, what Paul says, or Peter says, <clears throat> Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this reason also applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification of his former sins. So Paul is saying that he is writing to a congregation or to a group of people that are similar to him. He's putting these people on the same level as himself, basically, because they all came with the starting point of sinners having been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so he is talking to a mature congregation, and so I believe that if he was writing today, he would probably be writing a letter such as this to us, to you especially, because I believe that this is a mature congregation. I say that for two reasons. <clears throat> My time goes back with uh, some of the former members or some of the members that are here uh, 32, 40 years ago. And at that time, God moved mightily among us. And, uh, and I just grew with the congregation. It wasn't anything that I did, but together, the Holy Spirit was moving among us and we were growing together. And we saw miracles, we saw uh, God's word continually being proclaimed. It was not unusual to see people healed. Uh, God was doing a mighty thing. People were hungry for the word of God. We would have go to conferences. We would go have Bible studies. And uh, the, I don't know how many of the individuals here were, full, uh, were Gideons, uh, uh, probably more than a, a lot of congregations that emphasized the Gideons uh, uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Full gospel, women of the glow, there's a, many of the individuals here were on fire for the Lord, and I believe they still are. And secondly, the reason I believe this is a mature congregation, when Gene and I <clears throat> were in Texas uh, this winter, and uh, because of COVID, we didn't get to go out uh, services and so forth, we, we listened to the service here. And we were inspired. I believe you have a great pastor. I've, we, I've, uh, when I listen to some of the TV ministries and then I listen to Pastor Russell, he was as good as any. <laughs> and his, he was speaking the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit was ministering through him. And so I believe that many of you that are sitting under his teachings are also mature. So I believe that today when I'm preaching and ministering to you, I'm ministering to a mature congregation. But as Peter preaches to these and speaks to these and writes to these people, he is saying that I want to remind you of things. So even though that we are mature, we needed to be reminded. So these people that have grown up in the things of God, they needed to be reminded of things. <clears throat> when I think of uh, other things, like for example, uh, in the social realm, uh, <clears throat> When you think of when you grew up and you went to kindergarten, you learned uh, one plus one is one. Is that right? No, it's not. Two plus two is ten. No, it's not. Two, you you learn your time to uh, uh, you learn your adding and subtraction. And then finally, you start learning uh, how to multiply. Uh, three times three is nine. Seventeen times seventeen, two eighty-nine. 19 times 19, 36, you just began to learn your multiples. And you matured, and you used those for your accounting. But suppose that you were still go back to the time that you were in kindergarten and you never grew. Who would do your paperwork today? Who would, do, you know, we, actually, my wife has to do mine, so. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. 
we need to mature, we need to grow. And as Christians, we need to, to mature and become uh, spiritual adults. <clears throat> but the problem is, even though we're born again, filled with this Holy Spirit, we still fail from time to time. Even though we maybe at the time we get saved, we read the scriptures and we grow in the things of God. If people would ask us questions from the Bible, we would know. But after a while, we might end up forgetting him. And that's what Paul, Peter is writing to these people about, is that even though they were mature, there are certain things that happen that causes them to fall backwards, for them to fail in their Christian walk. Again, when I think of uh, <clears throat> back when I grew up, I spoke German. I don't know how many of you speak German, but when I grew up, I, I didn't even know English. I, I just, uh, we always talked German at home. When I went to school, I learned a little bit of English. My sister couldn't speak English at all. And uh, with large community in Illinois, our congregation, the church out in the country had a thousand members and most of them spoke German. <clears throat> Well, I spoke, uh, even though I spoke German, and I did it for a number of years. In fact, when I was here back in uh, 85, uh, I gave a low German sermon. And I wouldn't be able to do that today. I forgot. I've had Greek and Hebrew. There was a time I could read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. I forgot everything because I didn't keep it up. And that's the way it is for many people they get excited about Jesus, they're born again, and they fail to keep reading the Word of God. They don't go to Bible study, and so they become more and more immature in their Christian walk. Why are people struggling in their faith? Why is it that they're not living out what they're called to, called to do? Today, I think of, again, because of COVID, a lot of people have stopped coming to church. Right now, they're substituting TV ministries or other ways, and, and, but what's gonna happen is if they don't have the fellowship before long, they're going to fall further and further away. Because the Bible says we do not neglect to come together as some of them do. We need to encourage one another. You need to encourage me, I need to encourage you. We need to encourage one another so that we can grow in the Christian walk. There's a number of reasons that we fall. Sometimes it's family reasons. It could be uh, because of your job, could be a number of reasons. Last summer, <clears throat> we had a windstorm. I think you had some of it here too, but we had it through Huxley. And as you walked, drove through Huxley, there was tree limbs like this on every street just piled up. Well, we have a path going past our uh, house that goes up to the park. And on that path, going to dip, and there were some trees down. And, and so I started cleaning up the path. I ended up getting about seven loads of uh, pickup loads of, uh, of wood. And uh, if you want to see it, you can go in the back of our yard and the pile that's piled up, <laughs> a bunch of it, although Paul's already burned a bunch of it up. But while I was cutting this, uh, these trees, one of them was probably about 15 inches in diameter that went down over the path. And I'm cutting away, and all at once, clunk, clunk, clunk. 
Do you know that a steel post and a chainsaw don't work very good together? <laughs> a tree had grown around the steel post, and as I'm cutting, I hit that steel post. That was not very good for my chain. You know that a lot of people have steel posts in their Christian lives. They've never repented of a sin going way back. They grew up in their Christian walk, and they remember this little thing that happened way back when, but they just keep pushing it aside. Sometimes it might be forgiveness. <clears throat> I remember when I, I never had any problem forgiving as far as I know. I could always, if somebody did something to me, I might be a little frustrated for a moment, but what's the difference tomorrow? You know, I'd, I'd be able to let go of it. But I had one incident at seminary at a uh, kind of a psychology class, and we had to analyze uh, somebody's life and tell them how we would help fix it. Well, <clears throat> I wrote about my twin sister. She and I were very close, and she was a uh, strong Christian gal, but then she left the course for a season. And uh, then I wrote about that, and, and uh, then a uh, after writing it and then giving it to the professor and then we had a Christmas vacation and when I came back from the Christmas vacation I wanted to know how I did and I went to see the professor and he said well Tim picked it up. Tim was my best friend and uh, when I went over to pick it up I looked at Tim and I says did you read it? He said yeah. For some reason or another that just really infuriated me because this was something very personal. And, but with a smile, I told her, well, thanks, and I picked up the paper, and I basically ignored him. Well, he'd, he'd been my best friend. Well, I worked myself through college and seminary with the help of Gene, too. <laughs> and uh, uh, <clears throat> so uh, I basically didn't talk to him for a season. And uh, for some time later, all at once I was convicted, I needed to forgive Tim. So I called Tim up, and uh, Tim said, he didn't even notice it. He didn't even know that I had avoided him. But part of it was that I was so busy working, uh, having a job, and, and, but m the main thing was I just made excuses. And uh, so I ignored him completely. So <clears throat> uh, that's what happens when you are not willing to forgive people. You need to forgive people because that unforgiveness is like a steel post in your Christian walk. It could mean a number of other things. 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter is saying that the reminding his audience, his mature audience, that they need to be holy. And so that's what uh, Paul is, uh, Peter and Paul and the, all the way through here, Scripture tells us that we need to be holy. In Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He wants, he says that we need to be holy and blameless. We read the uh, same thing in, in Thessalonians, where Paul <clears throat> says in chapter 3, verse 13 following, so that God may establish your hearts without blame in holiness, without blame. God doesn't want you, to, he wants you to be without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. When Jesus comes back, we should be blameless. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instructions as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandment we gave you by the authority of our Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to process his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his, defraud his brother in the matter of, of because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warn you. For God has called you for the purpose of impure, impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So when you don't live according to God's standards, it's not you're doing as far as rejecting man. He says you are rejecting God. So here's the paradox. On the one hand, you're born again, love the Lord, and you ought to do right what God wants you to do. The problem is, is that we also still deal with that human flesh. And because of that human flesh, it's an ongoing battle. You see, <clears throat> Jesus, when you're born again, imputeth to you, gives you his righteousness. When the Father God looks at you, he does not see you as a sinner. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. So in a way now, you are a holy person, you are righteous. Now the rest of your life, you continue to grow and become what you already are in Christ Jesus. You are righteous, now you're in the state of becoming. So this is the struggle. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> because of that struggle, we need to get rid of those steel rods or those steel posts in our, in our walk. And so um, we see that many are still babes, you know, in, in their Christian walk and so forth. We need to pray for one another, help one another. Second Peter 2, 1, 3, again. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Paul had told the Corinthians that they should always check, or I should say, Paul wrote about the Bereans that they always check what he said. And that's what we need to do. We need to always check even like myself, whatever I say here or whoever's uh, preaching, 
even Pastor Russell, you always need to check it according to the Word. Because sometimes things are deceptive. Sometimes we don't even realize what's going on. <clears throat> we see one thing and another thing happening. I'll have to share a little humorous story. That, uh, uh, some of you remember my son Paul. He was one of the top students in his class and very smart. But one, the one thing that people don't generally remember is that he also had a lot of humor. So when you're around Paul, you have to be on guard. Well, he pulled a little trick on his wife, Jamie. He went to the store and saw ketchup was on sale, so he bought three ketchups, those big balls of ketchup. And uh, <clears throat> he came home and gave them to Jamie and says, uh, how come you got three of them? We got one. Yeah, they were on sale. And so he got an idea. <clears throat> A couple days later, he went back to the grocery store. He grabbed those three, tomato, uh, those three ketchups, put them in the bag, and he brought them in and just, did you get more ketchup? Well, they didn't cost anything. They were free. Uh, they weren't, didn't cost me anything today. Okay, you better take those downstairs. There's not a room up here. So he quickly goes around upstairs, goes through back to the pantry, puts them in, the pantry. A few days later, he goes to the store, does the same thing. Now, Kate, his daughter, says, Dad, Mom's really getting upset. You better not buy any more ketchup. <laughs> and then he tells her, and she, so now she's in on it. A couple days later, here again goes to the grocery store, gets three balls of gets those three balls of ketchup out of the, he, he puts in the grocery bag, and Jamie said, more ketchup. What are we going to do with all this ketchup? Well, it's, it's free. It didn't cost me anything today. He always made sure he said today. It didn't cost me anything today. And so he says, uh, Kate, won't you take him downstairs? So Kate takes him downstairs, runs around the house, runs through the garage, and puts him back in the pantry. About 21 bottles later, <laughs> Kate Paul and Kate decide, we better tell mom what's going on. <laughs> so Paul contacts Jean by message, didn't call her on the phone by message, and told her about what's going on. And could you have dad bring over a bottle of ketchup? <laughs> so I walk into the, in the, in the, knock on the door, walk in the house, Jamie sings it, I understand you need a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> she, are you in on this? <laughs> I had a hard time keeping a straight face, but I did. I said, in on what? <laughs> and she said, we better go downstairs. So we go downstairs. Paul's working. And Paul, did you call your dad? No, I didn't call him. He didn't. Did Paul call you? No. <laughs> and anyway, she's a good sport. She's a professor at Iowa State and so very intelligent. And she should have known Paul better, right? <laughs> because he, but uh, it, it was funny. She just laughed. She, you know, she had a good time out of it. And uh, besides that, they're having about 80 people coming over to their house in a couple of weeks for a family reunion. So I'm sure they're going to be able to use the now six bottles of ketchup that they got, I think. So. <laughs> but what I want to bring out, sometimes what appears to be real is not real. We can be deceived without really realizing it. 
When I left here uh, 30-some years ago, the church was struggling, especially the Lutheran church, between the liberal theology and the more conservative Bible-believing theology. We had speakers come in and share what was going on in the church, but a lot of people could not accept it. This was across the United States. A lot of the Lutheran churches could not believe that the church could actually go to that point where they would actually approve, for example, of abortions and immorality, and that they basically began to read a scripture as uh, containing the Word of God rather than is the Word of God. And that's why even though you're mature Christians, you need to check what the Word of God says. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not of God. I, I think, for example, like abortion. A lot of people have never done much preaching on the fact that, that uh, one of the reasons Israel fell is because of the shedding of innocent blood. Now, I feel sorry for any, uh, many of the young ladies that have been exposed to that because it sounded like, you know, you're, you're able to take care of your own body. You know, you don't have to, but that's, that's not what the God's Word says. God says we cannot be guilty of shedding innocent blood. The good thing is, is that God is always afraid to forgive. Maybe it's greed. Maybe some people are filled with greed. It could be so many different things that, that we fall into sin and don't even really realize it because of different people. For example, you might, uh, uh, God has blessed you and, and you receive his blessings and now you maybe have millions. But <clears throat> for some reason or another, now you, be, you don't have enough. I always think of this one pastor, he stood up and he says, when I was a kid, I had 50 cents in my pocket. And they asked me to give, donate, uh, you know, give some money. And I gave the whole 50 cents. And somebody raised a voice and said, I dare you do it today. You know, can you give all you got in your pocket today? It was easy when he had 50 cents. But now that maybe you have a couple thousand, it would be a lot harder. Now, God wants you to be rich. I really do believe that if you can handle it, God wants us to, to bless us. But we have to be careful that we do not let our blessings become our gods. <clears throat> I've got some other things, but I'm going to bypass some of this here and just, just want to bring out that uh, God wants us to, to be holy. In First, Second Peter 1, verse 9, 9 following, <clears throat> For he who lacks these quality is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So Paul is telling us to grow, and then just before that he told us about all the things that we ought to grow in. We need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How are you going to become holy? How are you going to stay holy? How can you continue to be uh, what God has called you to be? Earlier, Peter said, 
by his divine power. It's God's power, not yours. You can't do it. I'm going to be holy. No, it doesn't work that way. You turn everything over to God. That's the first step. First of all, you need to recognize it's, you can't do it. You need the help of God. He is the one that works in us to help us to become who God wants us to, to be. And he has given us the Holy Spirit. You know, a number of years ago, when I uh, was in ministry, I had never heard of the Holy Spirit. And uh, when I came here, I know a lot of people, they had heard, they knew about the Holy Spirit from the third article. Uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I cannot by my own reason or strength come to him and so forth. But we had, didn't know a whole lot. We knew a lot about Jesus, but we didn't know a whole lot necessarily about the Father or the Holy Spirit. How about you? Do you know a lot about the Father? Do you know a lot about the Holy Spirit? And, and so when I heard this, I, I, I can remember, by the way, when I was on the tractor, I farmed several years, and when I was a little boy and I was on farming, and, and uh, I remember one time or a couple of times I'd be on the tractor and I'd just be praising God in another language. I was having the joy of the Lord. I didn't even know what it was. Nobody ever told me that there was such a thing as an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And years later, when uh, I began to uh, read Scripture and I began to hear about this, I thought, how come nobody ever told me about all these things about the Holy Spirit? Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us and the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. Back in the 70s, it was not uncommon to see miracles galore. In fact, there was times, as I said, there was times when I didn't see even, uh, I was surprised when a miracle didn't happen. We saw healings, and slowly, more and more, we do no longer see them. You do, do here, I think, but in many places, many churches, they don't see those signs and wonders that they were experiencing. Now, as you go back in history, you can see different revivals, and people were raised from the dead. Miracles galore. That's what God wants to do. And it's potential here because you've got a mature congregation. What does a mature congregation do? They have people that believe. They believe the Word. If God said it, you said, I believe what's in the Word. I stand on the Word. That is our conviction. God's Word is true. I don't have to apologize for God's Word. Either God said it or he didn't. If he didn't say it, don't believe it. God's going to fill, fulfill his word. Believe God's promises. That's what Peter brings out. To believe, uh, know, know him and to believe his promises. Believe what he said in his word. And you can't work up faith in yourself. You're going to say, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. I'm, no, you open yourself up Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. The more you read the Word of God, the more God will work faith in you. When you sit down to eat, do you experience Jesus there? He's right there with you. To help you know that He's there, sometimes just set a plate right there. Nice to have you with us, Jesus. <laughs> but go a step further and say, Jesus, it's nice for us to be in your house. Because you see, what you do is that the house that we live in, Lord, it's yours. The farm that we're farming, Lord, it's yours. And now we are in his presence. We are in his facilities. 
And now you began to grow and, and began to bless him. And, and when you're, you, 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 you I, I, I don't know how to explain it unless you've experienced it. Talking to God. That should be your daily experience. When's the last time you talked to God except in church? You just stand there while you're talking. Well, God, what, what should I do today? The Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. You get to the point in your Christian walk that you, he becomes real to you. I want to encourage you to grow and grow and grow. But let's close with the starting point. First of all, do you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? If you would have been in one of those condos, those towers, at one o'clock at night, and that tower fell and were killed, where would you be today? Would you be with Jesus? Are you confident that if you would die today, you would go and be with Jesus? The Bible's quite clear on that. You're going to go either one or two places. But what is, along with that, what is really clear is that God wants you to be with him. How do we know that? Because Jesus came into the world to take your sins and my sins so that we can be with God forever. I always find it interesting of people that say, I don't know if there's a God or not. Can you just imagine those people? These little dots here upon earth, just this little speck upon earth, think they know everything about God who created the heavens and the earth, that created the galaxies, and these people say they know what God is like. They don't have an idea about God unless they read God's Word and experience God's Word. I know that God loves me, and I know that God loves you. Not because you're so good, not because I'm so good, but because he's a God of love that loves every one of you, and he desires every one of you to, come, to be saved. Back a number of years ago, many of the people, uh, individuals that are here, we had an evangelism program. We would ask, have you come to a place in your spiritual walk? If you would die tonight, you would know for certain you go to heaven. How would you answer that? Have you come to a place in your spiritual walk, if you would die tonight, if you would die right now, would you go to heaven? Suppose you would stand, suppose you would die tonight and stand before God in heaven, and he would say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, I lived a good life. Not good enough. You better have one answer. I don't deserve it. But Jesus paid the price. He took my sins, and he has promised me eternal life. Every one of you, I don't care who you are, no matter what sin you've ever committed, Jesus paid that price for you. Paul was a murderer. He killed Christians. And he's one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, Apostle Paul. He experienced forgiveness. So I don't care what sin you have. You might really feel guilty. 
Jesus even took your guilt. He took all your sins. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray that you will touch them and they also desire to have Jesus as their Savior. We know that all of us have sinned and we continue to sin. But Lord, we know that you took all our sins and that, we, and that you have given us our righteousness. So I pray, Father, for those that have not known, have not accepted you as our Savior and Lord, will do so today, and that they too want to have that assurance of being with you forever. So Lord, I just pray that you touch every individual here today, Lord. May each one here be certain that they'll go to heaven if they die. Help them not to wait and wait because they might wait too long. Today is the day. Then, Father, I also pray for individuals that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. For we know we need the Holy Spirit to grow and mature. And so is my prayer that people here, everyone here, Lord, will desire to be filled with your Holy Spirit that we will know you truly as our personal Savior and Lord, and that we will experience your righteousness, and that we will grow in our faith to see the wonders that you have for us. I just ask this in Jesus' name. And Father, in closing, I thank you for this congregation. I know that probably the majority know you as our personal Savior and Lord. Pray that you'll bless it. May anyone who comes here, Lord, experience your wonderful and loving presence. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen.